Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. I'm trying to do a little woodworking myself, so I might have to get some nuggets from you. There you uh, go. Trying, we'll, we'll say, you know, we'll see. Yep, how it goes. That's where it starts, man. It starts in your garage. What's uh, what's your elevator pitch? So someone asks you, what do you do, Jeff? How would you respond? So, you know, we, we primarily manufacture custom cabinets in our local market here in Oklahoma. We also sell some products online, uh, you know, some ready to assemble cabinets to other cabinet manufacturers around the nation that don't have the automation, the equipment, the CNCs and things that we have. So that's kind of what we do in a nutshell. Pretty much everything is custom one off. Um, you know, and, and like I said, primarily goes here to our local market in Oklahoma. Have you always been like a, like a young Jeff? Was was he into to woodworking? Was he in his working in his garage doing that kind of stuff? Or well, you know, it, it started pretty on, innocently. You know, whenever I was uh, when I graduated college in '01, I went to work for a construction company as a superintendent and worked there for a few years. Started doing knickknacks in my garage and a little furniture pieces and coffee tables, and whatnot. And then it just kind of grew from there. I had a buddy in from college that was building a house, wanted me to do his cabinets, and I did them uh, reluctantly. And the guy that was helping him build his house asked me to do his cabinets and just so on and so forth. So it, it it's that true, you know, like started in my garage uh, story, you know, and, and just kind of went from there. And that was back in about 05 is when we started. So your the buddy that first asked you to do it, did he see some of your work before? Or he just knew that you liked doing that kind of stuff. Or? Yeah, pretty much, he knew that I liked doing it. You know, I we we talked quite a bit. When we had just recently graduated college, and and he was building a house, and he knew that I was kind of building some furniture pieces and stuff like that. And he's like, "Man, come come build my cabinets. I don't care if it takes you know a few months or whatever. I'm not in any hurry. Just I, I like like going to be like hand built. You know, like I want to know who did them." Hmm. And what was that process like? Did it take a few months when you first oh, did it? It was, brutal. it was brutal. You know, we we just learning everything the hard way because I'd never really done that kind of it's, it's a totally different furniture and, and cabinets are a lot different. And just it was learning all the tricks the hard way, the sizes and all that kind of stuff and reading a lot as much as I could to figure out all the customs ways of doing things. And um, yeah, so it was it was kind of a it was it was a trial by fire. That's for sure. And uh, but it, it took probably you know, small, it was a small house and it probably took three or four months, you know, a kitchen that today we would probably do in two or three hours. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was, it was quite the difference. What about the cost associated with that? I mean, doing it three to four months, I mean, that had to be yeah. expensive. Did you put, you take on some of that cost or did he oh, take yeah. on all the cost? Yeah. Or? I mean, it was, it was kind of a, uh, it was one of those, um, you know, he kind of pays for materials and I pay for everything else. So, you know, I had to buy all my tools and my routers and my bits and my saws and everything. And I had some of it there. But it was definitely a very expensive set of cabinets for me to build. <laughs> but by that time, I was kind of starting to realize, you know, hey, I, I, I've got a knack for this. I, I enjoy, uh, you know, I enjoy the the time out in the garage and, and working. So I, I kind of see this as an avenue. I always felt I was going to be self-employed. I just didn't know the avenue. And I, I, I enjoyed what I was doing. So I kind of kind of, you know, pushed a little harder in that direction. Was it a, a easy yes when the neighbor asked for you to do it for them? I mean, because... That had to be uh, very difficult, all the frustration of doing it for three to four months. And then now you got to take on another job. <laughs> yeah, it, it took a little bit of time and just mainly because my job was very demanding. You know, in construction, you're 
you're working, there's no eight hour shift, you know, you're working when you have to, when the workers are there, you're there type thing. And so it was, it was a little hard for him. You know, he had to talk me into it. It was two or three times of him asking, Hey, you know, I really like for you to build my cabinets because my guy doesn't do it anymore. So, you know, he asked me two or three times and, you know, finally I, you know, reluctantly again said yes on that one. And then once I got the first one done though, like legitimately built it, it probably took about a month to build that second set. And I was starting to get into a groove of things. Then I started realizing, okay, there, there's something here, you know, and there's something I can build off of. So now the second, the second one, you it's basically, it's still a hobby. Yep. When do you actually look at this? How long down the road does it actually go, you know what, I can make this a, a job, a career, a business? Yeah. So pretty much after that second and third set for that same guy, he, he was a continuous builder. So he always, he would build one house completely and then he would start another one. So fortunately he didn't have, he had a lot going for him, but fortunately he wasn't one of these production builders that was just building end after end, you know? So it was, it was a nice pace for me. It wasn't killing me. So after about the second or third house for him, which was probably, you know, a total of six months or so, I started to realize, you know, hey, I need to push this a little bit. So I, I made the first dumb decision I had ever made. Um, you know, by by the time that um, I got through those first few sets, I had built a little shop behind my house. So I was actually in a nice little fifteen hundred square foot metal building, mm -hmm. and I decided I, to go kind of full tilt. And there was an opportunity in in my college town to bid um, a, a duplex project that had sixty duplexes. Okay. And I have no idea why we bid it. We we didn't have the capacity to even maybe handle it. And he took our bid on it and we won it. And then about two months later, after after we got it awarded, um, after about two months, I quit my full time job and went full time into this and, you know, immediately hired like three guys, four guys, something. So I think there was five of us total when we first started and yep. uh, just hit the ground running. Well, so you said we bid it. Did you have a partner when you when you did that bid? Yeah. So when I very, very first started, I had a partner for the first couple of years. And then, um, you know, that was a pretty tough road. It, it worked great for the first couple of years. Uh, but then when once we got up to about eight or 10 employees, um, we started to kind of have a divide about where to go with the company. So it, it didn't work out for very long. But um, and it, it was a semi amicable amicable you know split it was uh it was okay so it wasn't it wasn't horribly bad but um yeah it definitely had a partner to start but it was a short-lived deal did did they have a background in, in woodworking also or they actually he uh, actually he worked for the construction company that i worked for so um he kind of came into he really he came my partner because i needed help on the side you know we, we was working nights and evenings or evenings and weekends and I needed some help. So uh, he, he, you know, he came to help me on the weekends and then it was just kind of a natural progression. He was a hard worker like I was. So I was kind of like, hey, let's let's try to make a go of this deal, you know. And and so we we fired up the business. And and like I said, that was like mid to late 05. And then by September of 05, I had I had gone out full time and my partner followed me by about a month and a half. And then so you have the partner, you do the, you get the bid and you said you start bringing on employees, right, because you have the, the job now. Now, yeah. How do you, how do you, I mean, that's a big step. I mean, first you have a big buddy step. working it, right? And then now you're getting employees. So what was that process like, that learning curve, finding the employees? What was that like for you? Yeah, it was, it was definitely a learning experience. The The only thing I had going in my direction at that time, you know, I was, I was still young, 22 years old and 23 and um, had a lot of buddies that hadn't really found their path. You know, they, they didn't go to college. They hadn't, they had just come kind of been working in the trades trying to figure out what they like to do. 
So I had a few buddies to lean on that we kind of had an open agreement of just like, hey, come work for me. If you ever, you know, if you need to leave, that's cool. No worries. You know, but if I need to cut you because we get slow or something, then don't no hard feelings. And so we just had a kind of an open agreement that worked out really well. And I'll be honest, for the first probably two years, I, I relied very heavily on my friend network to, to help me get through, um, you know, to help me grow. And none of those guys work for me today, but I had several buddies that kind of worked for me on and off over those first you know year or two. So that, it worked out great. If someone was starting today or if you were starting today, I mean, and you were in that same position, I mean, same time frame, I mean, would you still hire friends? I mean, would you do the hiring process difference with friends? I mean, what would it look you like? You know, I don't really have any regrets when it comes to that, to be real honest. I know a lot of people have issues with hiring friends, maybe, you know, or family or whatever. I, I think with me, it worked out well with my company because I was very open with them to begin with. You know, I, you know, hey, I'm a new company. No promises. You know, we may have work today, but not tomorrow. If you get a better offer, a better job, just, man, give me a little bit of lead time so I know you're not going to be here. So it was definitely, you know, it was a very open agreement from day one. And I was always very open with them about where we was going, like how much work we had in the hopper, how much backlog we had. And, you know, so they always kind of knew what was coming down the pipe. And um, I feel like that. And I'm still buddies with all those guys today. So there was never a, uh, never any hard feelings or something whenever they moved on. So it's it's it, it turned out to be a great deal. And it was a it, it was a, a integral part of me being able to grow my business from just a couple three employees up to, you know, 10 or 12, like we did so quickly. I, I mean, I think there's some people, I mean, some people I've even had on the, the, the podcast where they, they work with their spouses, work with their friends, mm -hmm. and they don't, they can't put that divide in there of friend, spouse, right? So if I get angry at you for not doing the work, right? Mm -hmm. I'm yelling at you as a friend or a spouse. I'm not, I'm uh, instead of yelling at you as a, uh, your boss. I mean, was there anything yeah. like that where you felt like they're taking advantage or the line wasn't there or that never happened or, you know, with me, it never happened. Um, and, and like I said, over the course of those first couple of years, I had, um, you know, probably a total of four to five different friends, uh, that, that worked for me. And, and we never, you know, I'm not going to say we never had, uh, words one day or something, you know, like I'm sure something got heated or something like that, but it never, never to the point of, um, putting the friendship at risk or anything like that. And I've heard of stories like that where it just, they, they can't have that divide of boss and buddy, you know, and, yeah. and, and that's, and that is hard, but we never really seemed to run into that. We always, we always figured out a way to work through it and just, and, and move on. And, and I think a lot of that was just my openness with them from day one about not only, you know, how they could come and go, but, you know, just, you know, the fact that we were a new company and, and there's just no telling what could happen here. We could, you know, this thing could blow up or blow up in our face. We just don't know. So um, I think just our openness and continually feeding them good information uh, kept it kept it as a, a an even relationship. Now you're you're expanding, you're growing. When did the point come where you hired someone that wasn't in your immediate circle of family or friends? I mean, it was pretty quick. So we built, um, so we're in our small shop, you know, our first, what I'm going to call our first shop. And it's a small building. We immediately outgrew that. And within a few months I built a, or I'm, uh, I say a few months, within a few months to a year, it's been 20 years ago. So it's getting yeah. kind of foggy, you know, but um, within a pretty short amount of time, we found a little, little lot um, in a, in a neighboring town built about a eight, uh, 6,000 square foot shop. And when I moved into there, <clears throat> excuse me when i moved into there i uh, hired two new people and they were actually kind of 
acquaintances of a couple of my friends that were working for me at the time, people that I didn't know. And uh, they were one of them was going to a trade school to be a uh, paint and body guy. And at the time, uh, as busy as the world was back in 06, 07, um, there just wasn't a lot of jobs available for him in our area. So he came to work for me and, and he's he's my oldest employee as of now. He still is my main employee. He's my right hand guy. You know, he's my go to. He was he's he runs the company whenever I'm not there, basically. So um, and he's my definitely my oldest employee. But he was my first like what I'm going to call, you know, true real hire where he was, I had to go out and find him and get him. And, uh, you know, I've throughout my years of growing, I've relied on my, my inner company network to do my, a lot of my hiring. I mean, I've put ads out on all the, all the sites before and, ha- and definitely had some success that way, but I'd say time and time again, I have more success by using the people within my own network you just sometimes have to have a little more patience and you have to remind them often that, Hey, you know, Hey, we're hiring guys. Do you know anybody? Do you know anybody out there within your network that, you know, would fit this spot or be a good fit with the company? And, and that's, that's, it's worked real well for me. How often are you reminding them? You think like a, a week? Oh, it's, I mean, whenever we're hiring, like uh, I'll give you a perfect example right now. Uh, right now we're hiring for about three positions and you know we've been trying to find somebody for about a week we've had a couple of applicants that haven't been a great fit um but it's it's pretty much been every couple three days when i'm walking through the shop or walking through the office i'll be like hey just you know reminder talk to you know talk to somebody at church talk to somebody you know talk to one of our vendors talk to one of your salespeople, see if they know somebody that's looking you know whatever just kind of constantly putting that reminder out of trying to just give them different little avenues that they could look at other than just the contacts in their phone, you know, kind of get them to think outside the box a little bit about other people they may know in their network. So do they, are they doing this to bring on, uh, cause I, I've had this talk with other people in the past, right? Are they doing this for the benefit of the company or is, do they get something in return from it? Is it just bringing their buddy on? I mean, what's, do you no, think you know, I'll give it. No, I mean like, uh, they're not, they're just doing it for the betterment of the company and, and the fact that they can find somebody that they're going to work with. So like I talk about in my book, that's it. I'm fired. It, there's a specific chapter in there about this and how we've kind of evolved into this system of trying to find our own people within our own network. And then once we do, we put them through this hiring process of, of, uh, of three or four working interviews, you know, three or four days of working interviews that way they're working directly with the people they're going to work with every day. And then we kind of do a daily evaluation during that um, that kind of trial period, and uh, that that has worked out so well. We've had such a higher success rate of keeping employees by doing that because um, you know we've lost some employees that did found out it wasn't a good fit for them. You know through that hiring process, that that interview period, and it's about a three to five day period. It depends on the position that we're hiring for. Obviously, if it's an administrative position, we usually do like a five day interview period. If it's a shop position, it's two to three, sometimes four days, depending on what it is. And uh, it works out really good because whoever they're working with, basically I just take their kind of their peers in the shop or the office and they have to fill out a form every day. And, and um, you know, basically you learn what kind of person you're hiring without just guessing off of a resume and, a, and an initial interview, you know. Well, and and I'll jump in right here too, is, is Jeff's uh, a new book, um, by the time you're listening to this, if you're watching this live right now, I think it's currently out, right, Jeff? It's on Amazon. It actually launches next Monday, but it's pre-order available on Amazon. So you, it's searchable on Amazon and it's, it's there for pre-order. 
Okay. And what was the name of the game of the book? That's it. I'm fired. That's it. I'm fired. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, and if you're listening to the audio, uh, we usually have the audio a little bit later than the live uh, broadcast. Um, so yeah, go find it on Amazon, just book. Yeah. <clears throat> and that'll be a little bit, a little bit of a deeper dive that we can have jam packed sure. in this, in this podcast. You bet. <clears throat> now so you're growing, you're bringing on mm -hmm. people. And then we kind of talked about it. 2007, 2008 comes about, you know, and everyone knows it's listening for the most part that people are listening. <laughs> that wasn't a great time for a lot of businesses. What yeah. happened there for you? Yeah. So, you know, actually 07 and 08 were our best two years to that point. We, mm -hmm. we, uh, Oklahoma lagged behind. So, you know, the yeah. East and the West felt at the worst and then it worked its way to the middle. And, um, so 0708 was was really good. 09 was okay. And 010, the bottom just fell out of it. And um, everybody's got their own personal story and ours probably mimics a lot of them. But we uh, in 010, we had a really rough year. We was up to that point in 08. I think we've reached around 13, 14 employees in that area. Um, 09, we lost a couple. And then in 10, we went to uh, – we, I, I put it in the employees' hands. I was like, we're going to have to either reduce everybody's hours down to like, you know, 28 or 30 hours, or I'm going to have to let somebody else go. And we just kept having to reduce hours. And we rolled into the end of that year, end of December. And I, I remember this like it was yesterday. Rolled into the end of December. Didn't have hardly any work. So I told, you know, the crew, we're going to take off the week between Christmas and New Year's. And I told everybody, just call me you know, uh, on New Year's and I'll let you know if we're still open. And because we literally had zero jobs rolling into Christmas and it was a pretty scary time. Um, you know, bills were stacking up, payroll still coming in, light bills still coming in. You know, it didn't matter. Bills were still rolling. And, uh, you know, it, in that week that we were off, I had two calls, one from an old builder and one from a remodeler that had something going. And and basically I bid them to where I knew I was going to get those jobs. There was no, they were cheaper than they were going to get them anywhere because we needed something to push through the shop. And, uh, you know, bit by bit we rebuilt, but, you know, we went through that recession and uh, when we came back, we had myself plus two other employees that came back and we rebuilt it back basically from scratch again. I mean, it was 10 was a rough year. 11 was really pretty tough too. And then 12, we finally started to, you know, pull ourselves out of it, but it was, it was a two year rut that was just really, really brutal to dig out of was there a time and I, and I know i mean for the most part of your life you've worked on your own had your own business but was there a time where you go i just want a steady paycheck i, want, I can try to go find another contractor or do something else but i want to say paycheck yeah you know there was a few times in there but um really uh, i'm kind of a glass half full guy all the time and, and sometimes that's probably a that's, that can be a weakness as well as a strength sometimes you know sometimes you don't see the reality that's in your face um, so I just turned back to what I knew, which was hard work. So I, um, you know, during those years I started installing cabinets on the side, you know, not even just my cabinets, other people's cabinets, um, started installing them on the weekends just to make, so I wouldn't have to take money out of the company. I could make my paycheck that way. Mm. Um, you know, I was even delivering cabinets for some other people just that, you know, I was doing whatever kind of side jobs were coming up, trimming people's houses, you know, um, just just scrounging around to get any work that I could. And, and fortunately it was still the time in my life when I could do that. We, we had just had our first kid, so we didn't have, you know, he was, he was a baby. And so I wasn't, it was fine that I was having to work these late nights and it was working for a little while. So I was just, 
I kind of felt like I, the end was near. It was somewhere as long as I would just keep pushing. And uh, I, I knew it was going to come back, maybe not as good as it was before that 09, but uh, I knew it was going to come back. What what do you think pushed you? Because, I mean, like you said, you you took the side job so you would have enough money that you would not take out of the, the payroll. Yeah. I mean, what pushed you not to say, you know what, I'm going to just fire one of these other employees and be able to take it out of these jobs and not to deal with these side, side jobs? Well, you know, to be honest, when we came back uh, from that, that break where we didn't know if he was going to come back up, I talked to the couple guys that we had left. And I talked to myself. I said, guys, this is our core. If it gets below the core, we're done. And that's all there is to yeah. it. So we've got to do whatever it takes to keep this core busy. Cause I'm not interested in doing this with any less or different people. So I said, if you guys are going to leave, now's the time to do it and let's shut her down. But I said, if you guys are with me, I'll take you through the finish line and we'll just keep on rolling. I'll do whatever it takes to get work. And that's what we did. And, and that core, you know, of, of those three guys, you know, one of them is still with me today, but the other two were with me for several years after that. And they've gone on to, uh, one of them runs their own deal. The other one moved out of state uh, with a, a family, you know, kind of a family member type uh, situation where he's working with them. And uh, but, yeah, I was kind of down to that core. And that's what I and I remember that conversation so clear because it was one of the first conversations we had when we came back. I was like, guys, I'm not doing this if I'm not doing it with you. And and um, that, that turned out to be a really good deal because they they had my back, you know, and they they allowed me to go out and try to sell work, find work while they took care of it in the shop, you know, and handle business. Now you're you're expanding, you're growing the second time through. Was there any changes or things you did differently the second time, like expanding, growing, hiring? That you did yeah, there's before? a there's a few things I did different. You know, I was I was a pretty bad micromanager when I first opened my shop because I just um, did trust people that you know it had to be done my way type deal. And as as we started growing again, I realized that wasn't healthy for me or the the company. And we started hiring better employees, you know, more qualified employees, what we wanted. We started paying more money. You know, we weren't, weren't just trying to find the cheapest person for this job anymore. And, um, and, and once we started making that switch, the business just for some reason kind of grew. And it kind of goes back to that. If you take care of your employees, they'll take care of your business. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of, kind of definitely believe that mantra and, and, and it works and I still use it today, you know, so I'm, I definitely when I'm looking for even just a labor position, I don't find somebody that's just making a, a minimum wage or a cheap wage. We're looking for somebody that's going to be the best labor for that position that we're looking for. And we don't we don't settle for anything less. And, and it's it really works well for us. And it, and it also keeps it keeps our turnover down to a I'm not going to say zero, but it's a minimum. How do you. So do you have a like what's that process look like? Is it OK? We have a, a number that we're going to hit with this price right here, what the salary is going to be. Mm -hmm. um, but if we get the right person, maybe we might go a little bit higher or is it this is that price and we'll find someone to adjust to this price? Yeah. So usually whenever I put a job offering out there, um, you know, to the shop first and then if I put it on a on a website or whatever, I usually don't put an actual salary there. I usually put in the list, you know, we're looking for the best employee for this position. And, you know, there's there's some instances where just to get somebody to do a run a sander, we've paid, you know, whereas, you know, like before the recession, we may have only paid 10 or 11 dollars an hour, 12 dollars an hour. You know, now I'm looking at paying them 15 dollars an hour or somewhere around there, you know, and 
And uh, I know that you're in California, we're in Oklahoma, there's different, you know, where our wages are probably a little lower because it's cheaper here, but mm. you know, $15 an hour is a, is a really good wage for a labor position in Oklahoma. And, mm. um, and so the nice thing is, is what, what we, what I've found through the years, especially as I get more employees and grow, um, and we put those positions out there, we have an easier time to fill them because it's kind of like the word gets out in our industry. It's like, well, ultimate is paying more than the other three shops and the other three big shops in town. So we kind of always have this P you know, as soon as we get a job offering, we always have people that are ready to fill it because they're, you know, we're paying, we're paying, we're paying more. We take care of our employees through just different things that we do in the shop to keep them there. And um, it, it works out, works out pretty well. Have you had to pay more recently during like all that's going on? I know yes. here for bus boys, I mean, that price has gone up so drastically because no one wants to go back to work. Uh, yeah, you know, we had that we had that issue right when the pandemic hit, you know, and everybody was kind of at home and we were still essential. So we, you know, we still had a skeleton crew there. Um, <clears throat> and then to get people back, you know, was a little bit of a trick. Um, and to get people off unemployment was a little bit of a trick, you know, and finally, once they started kind of reducing it, they most of them came back to work quickly because they wanted to get back to work. But some of them, we had a hard time getting off uh, that unemployment. Yeah. Um, and but then since then, since everything's kind of gotten back, I'm not going to say it's back to normal, but, you know, yeah. things have got back to open. We'll say that. Yeah. Um, it's been very it's been a lot more difficult to find employees. It's not it's not like we have a job opening and we're getting 10 to 15 applicants anymore. We're getting three or four, you know, mm -hmm. we're just, we're not getting as many applicants as we used to. And there was a time there, it seems like when everything started to get back to open and we was really getting busy right now, we're busier than we have ever been ever. And when it started hitting like that about last year where it was getting just really slammed, I noticed wages had to tick up again. And I don't, I don't exactly know if that's the whole inflation thing. I don't know what drives that. I just know that we had to bump, we had to bump wages up and I'm guessing it's just because nobody had had a raise and, you know, it's probably been a couple of years, you know, with the pandemic the year before and, you know, the year, the year before that wasn't a bad year, but it was just kind of a flat year for residential around here. So I'm thinking it was just because they hadn't had a raise in quite a while and they was, you know, we, we pretty much had to bump the whole, uh, the whole floor up a little bit last year. And so in those situations where you're massively busy, Right. So you need to bring on more people. Yeah. Yeah. It's harder. To, you're getting less applicants for it. Mm -hmm. How do you balance out that line of saying we need someone for this job, but then also saying we need the right person for this job? Yeah. Not jumping too quick. Well, again, that's, you know, even even now that I've got 50 employees, it's still the same. I'm still very open with my employees. You know, I have several meetings with the team leaders, but I also have meetings with the whole group. And, uh, you know, and then our, our shop leader has meetings with the whole group and we're we're very open with them. Just like, hey, guys, we want to find the right guy or right girl for this job. We, we've got to be picky. We've got to maintain our standards through this time. So it may mean that in the short term, you know, the uh, the mill area may have to work some overtime for a few weeks. And, and they're on board for it because at, at the end of the day, they're the ones that have to work with these new employees. So mm -hmm. they, uh, you know they're fine with taking the short term hit and having to work overtime. As long as they know that, Hey, we're trying to fill this position. Um, they're, they're going to be, they're going to be on board for it for the short term. So basically kind of, again, going back to the idea of being open, showing yep. your vision, sharing that for now, sure. The last couple of years, you, you found out something, I guess really big for your health. 
I mean, can you, can you tell us and kind of walk us through what happened? Yeah. So about, about four years ago, um, somewhere around there, four or four and a half years ago, I started noticing, you know, when I would work on the shop floor or really be focused in on something, my, my hand and my foot would kind of tremor a little bit shake. And it was just, you know, getting a little progressively worse. And I thought it was a, maybe an old back injury that was bugging me. So I ended up going to the hospital or the doctor. They didn't know what was going on. Went to the Mayo. They finally figured it out. And they, they diagnosed me with young onset Parkinson's disease, which is basically just a Parkinson's disease like your grandparents would normally get. But, you know, you get it pre 50 is, is what it is. And so think of like Michael J. Fox or somebody like that, you know, younger that gets it. It's uh, not very often that it happens, but it, it happens. And it's, it's usually a slower progression than, than when a senior citizen may get it. But um, so it affects my, it affects my daily routine. You know, my, my hand and my foot shakes pretty good. Um, sometimes I walk a little bit slower, you know, just um, getting going in the mornings, that kind of thing. So for me, um, that was a, that was a big, that was a big catalyst in my business the last few years, just, just putting it on a, putting it on a path of growth, you know, to get it towards, you know, going to be stable here in a few years. Do you, when you find out this information, do you put something in your head where you go, I have X amount of years, X amount that I have to kind of be more out of it and almost like kind of overseeing it, but not be in the grind of it all? Right. Yeah. So, you know, when the, when the doctor told me there, um, obviously it was a little bit shocking, but you know, it, it fit. So it wasn't like a, this big surprise, you know, so I, I kind of, it was, it was a bit shocking, but it wasn't too crazy that um I, I had a hard time dealing with it i guess i'd already kind of got my head wrapped around i've got something going on so once i heard that at least i knew it wasn't a death sentence you know yeah um <clears throat> so once once he told me that basically the first question i asked was like how long can i work you know because i'm you know at the time i'm just turned 40 mm-hmm. uh 39 and uh and i said you know how long can i work because i you know as much as i want to get my business to where it operates by itself and get my freedom, you know, I, I still enjoy work. I'm still passionate about work, you know? And, uh, you know, basically the doctor said it's different for everybody. He said, but generally speaking, it's about 10 years, um, before it gets to the point where it's not, it's not usually the work that, that is hard. It's the stress caused from work that makes it difficult. So it, it, you know, stress and things like that can, um, make, make your symptoms worse, you know, on a daily basis. So that that's usually what drives that. So, kind of having that in the back of my head, you know, I had a switch turn on the last few years since, since that diagnosis. And, and I've been on a, I've been kind of been on the war path of, of growing and, and stabilizing the business, you know, firing myself from these positions to where it can run efficiently without me and still provide me with an income because, you know, at some point it may have to, you know, whether or not that point comes, I don't know, but at least I know I'm going in a position where if it has to, it's, it's going to be able to do it. I mean, you've been very open to, I mean, it sounds like with your employees, uh, very open of kind of your vision of what's going to happen. I mean, being this is kind of a personal thing, yet it has some correlation to the business in the future. Yep. How open are you with this stuff to them? Oh, day one. You know, um, you know, I'm, I've met a lot of people along my journey of Parkinson's, just like in some of the the workout places that I go that have, you know, there are these groups of people and some of the groups that I talk to and stuff. Um, a lot of people are not that way. A lot of people are more sh- hide it, shelter it, you know, and not, not tell. And, and that's fine. It, it's everybody's personal choice. You know, you, it's, 
just with me, I'm just that kind of personality where I share probably more than I should. And with me, I don't want anybody guessing as to why my hand shakes or something whenever I'm talking deeply about something or I'm really focused on something. I don't want anybody to be guessing like why I'm shaking, you know? So for me, I, I tend to bring that out quicker than, mm -hmm. than rather than trying to reserve it. And, and it's just, it's, I, it's part of my life. I don't try to hide it. It is what it is. And so I would say within the first, you know, couple, three weeks of, of me noticing or, or getting diagnosed, I, I told the shop about it once I kind of, you know, came, came back down and figured everything out, what I was going to do. You know, I, I would say within the first few weeks, I told everybody. And whenever I make a new hire, generally within the first week or so or two weeks of getting to know them, because every new hire, I'll always spend a little bit of time with them about you know, how things are going, you know, how, how they would change things and all that kind of stuff. And I'll usually tell them during that conversation, you know, hey, just in case you ever notice me shaking, everything's fine, but this is what I've got, you know. And, but uh, I can certainly tell you that it, it, it's, it's the motivation behind a lot of my current, my drive currently. I mean, I've always been a passionate guy. I've always been busy. I've always had plenty of projects going, but it's currently speaking, it's, it's, it's the drive behind what's going on right now. How do you, I mean, I, I think this is, I mean, for uh, probably maybe more so men, mm -hmm. right? When you have, and this could possibly perceive some kind of weakness, right? And yep, that's right. how are you, how how are you okay with, I guess, being so open with it and not knowing it's feeling, looking at it as a weakness, but instead you churned it into kind of a strength because it yeah. gives you power to kind of push forward. So what was that mindset like to do that? Well, you know, that's a fantastic question, first of all, because in my, it's something that I've had to think about. That's something that's, that's it's something I've had to directly think about through my, through my, time in my journey but if this would have happened to me in my late 20s early 30s i don't think i would have been quite that open i mean i've always been an open guy i've always been you know kind of laid out on the line but i don't think in my 20s or 30s i would have had the uh i, I don't think i would have had the confidence the self-confidence to do that just because of that reason right there i've always been kind of manly man you know work in construction and you know big, big metal pieces and you know, I like to weld and I like to cut, you know, just, you know, yeah. I'm just that kind of guy. And I, in my, and I was definitely that kind of guy in my twenties or thirties, but now, you know, that I'm a little bit older, um, I guess for me, it just, um, I, I've, I've realized what matters and what doesn't matter. And that's, and this, you know, Parkinson's has put that into perspective for me. You know, I know what matters and I know what doesn't matter now. And it doesn't matter if I'm a manly man. You know, it doesn't matter if I'm if I lay my feelings out there. It doesn't matter if I cried in front of my employees when I told them about it. It doesn't it doesn't matter like I used to think that it would. And it doesn't uh, it doesn't weaken me or anything like that anymore. Like it probably would have when I was a little bit younger. And, and I know this is probably a more difficult question and something that I, I, I ask basically all my guests. I mean, where do you see your yourself and your business in the next five years? You know, in the next five years, I see our business doing, you know, a, a, a run rate or like an annual annual sales of, you know, probably over 12 million, somewhere around there. Um, and that's kind of my, that's my, that's my goal line of where I need to be for it, for it to be sustainable for my lifestyle, for the, you know, for the, for the ongoing future. Yeah. And 
Um, and then I've, you know, foresee having 60, 70 employees somewhere around there. And, um, and, and really more importantly than that, I just see it to where um, I've totally got the business in a position where it runs itself. I've got excellent employees that enjoy what they're doing, that are invested in the business and that are getting something from the business um, more than just a paycheck and, and given me the opportunity to spend the, the quality years that I've got left with my family, you know, um, taking the vacations we want to do or whatever, just hanging out with kids at their events and things like that. Um, while I'm still, uh, physically able to do all those kind of things, you know, at, at, at will. And, and I'll finish it off with this question. I mean, if someone's listening right now, um, and they have a hobby that they just really like doing, Mm-hmm. Is there something, any advice that you give them of transitioning that hobby to a career like you did? Yeah, I mean, I've looked, I've looked back on my start. You know, if if I would, if I would do it again, if I was starting again, and and the answer is probably, I would probably say yes. I would probably find it. I mean, if you're passionate about it and you enjoy doing it, then you can probably turn it into a business. Um, the only thing I would caution is just to make sure that you are going to enjoy doing that for the long haul. And then more, probably more importantly than that, do you see a place in the future that once you grow your thing, whatever it is, your side, your side gig, once you grow to a certain point where say you have a few employees and then now all of a sudden you have to be a business person rather than a woodworker or a business person rather than a chef or I don't know, whatever you're, Mm -hmm. you're doing, um, pull yourself out of the position that you're doing right now, running that business to where you're actually, um, over the, the business operation are you going to be happy being a business person? And because there's a transition that happens there where it's less about the craft and it's more about running the business. And I'm not going to say it's that way for everything, but I will say it's probably that way for the majority of things. If you're, if you're going to grow a business. So just, just ask, just make sure you ask those questions to yourself. Either do I want to keep doing this forever at the rate that I am now, or do I want to actually run a business in the future? And uh, if the answer to that's yes, then I mean, go for it. I mean, you just make it happen. Well, thank you, Jeff, for being here. I mean, hopefully everyone listening yeah. got, got some great nuggets. If someone's if someone's listening right now and they want to hear more about your journey, buy your book, I know they can go on Amazon. Yeah. They also have the podcast. Is there a platform they can look for all the information? Yeah, they can go to the pushthrough.com. That's the push, T-H-R-U.com. Um, all my stuff is there. They can email me. I think my phone number is even on there. I mean, I'm open all the time, so I, I love to get emails from people just to when they're asking questions about their business and I may give them a little nugget or something that they can use. I, I always love that. So just feel for, don't hesitate at all to shoot me an email through the website. All the information's on there about the book or, you know, everything else that we do. So, um, and, and the podcast and everything. So. Fantastic. Well, thank yeah. you, Jeff. Uh, everyone, hey, thanks for having me on. Pro- yeah, no, I, you know, I appreciate it, man. That was, I mean, I, it's uh, you made the flow pretty simple and you, I think people listening, I mean, there's at least a, at least a nugget that someone can relate to. I think for, for most of us listening right here, I mean, how you have a hobby, you're looking to start it. You're looking to start a, a yeah. business with your friend. I mean, you're going through something physically. I mean, whatever it might be, there's something that probably touched someone that was listening. So for thank sure. you for being honest. Thank you for listening to the road to growth success of an entrepreneur. Please like subscribe and stay connected. Visit www.theenriquezgroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group signing off.